Welcome to Thinking Out Loud. I'm Riaz Safi. Please show some love and hit the subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. Ever wanted to make a film but not sure what goes into the process, what qualifications do you require, and qualifications versus experience? Let's find out in my first face-to-face -face recording with three young filmmakers who'll be graduating from filmmaking school. Pranil is a graduate from EFTA, the South African School of Motion Picture, Medium and Live Performance and specializes in screen writing and film directing. Gulam Mustafa Umar is a writer, director and is currently studying to become an animator as well. Welcome to Thinking Out Loud. Hi, good Thank you, Riaz. Good to be here. So we're talking about making films today, and let's start off by asking, as a writer and a director, Pranil, perhaps you could start off, what's the process of making a film in South Africa like? Well, it all starts off with the initiation of an idea, you know, and these ideas can come from various places, you know. Generally, sometimes for some people, it comes from the outside in, but some from the inside out. But what I found in my writing experience is that the best ideas and the ones that really connect not only with yourself, but with others come from the inside out um, and from the inside of us. And in the South African context, um, how would you say? Well, in the South African context, I would say it comes down from the culture, our specific relevance and cultures that we have in South Africa. Um, they're very different and it make, it's very different to the rest of the world, you know. Each country and continent has, has their own cultures um, and different backgrounds. And that's, for South African writers, I would say that's where we have to take from, you know, our own heritage and our own cultures in order to tell stories that the world has never seen before and stories that are unique to us instead of trying to copy other countries and um, trying to be westernized, I would say, because we are obviously... Um, from a different country. We're not America, you know. We are South Africa and we have unique and authentic stories to tell that can actually resonate with the whole world and create and make an, give, make an impact to everyone. Certainly. I, I like the fact that you say we can, uh, we can tell our own stories because I believe every culture, every country has their own story that they can relay on screen and uh, get it out to the world. What are some of the challenges that you're faced with in filmmaking in South Africa, Pranil? I would say it's definitely the for, for lack of research. And sometimes I feel like this could be true, but I think it's questionable and that's budget. Um, I don't think that our, our, our film industry pays its, 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 its respective, would you want to say members? So like, for example, whether it's a director, whether it's a writer, whether it's an editor, whether it's a cinematography, I don't think they get paid um, what they deserve to be paid. And I think it's very um, um, undermined in our country. You know, if you look at like the Hollywood standard or in other countries, people actually get paid more appropriately for the job description and for the job title compared to our country. And I think that's something. But Pranil, I'd like to come in there. Don't you think our film industry is not as big as those industries? So uh, based on that, um, yeah, there is going to be a difference, isn't there? Sure, Definitely. I do think there would be a difference, but why aren't we as big as those countries? You know, then that's the question rather to ask because we do have the potential to be, you mm -hmm. know, we mm -hmm. have the knowledge, we have the mindset and we have the stories to tell, you know? So the question then is why aren't we, you know, what's actually going wrong that we're not 
at that level as yet, you know. Gulam Mustafa, let's uh, get you in there. Where do you see the South African film industry in the next five years? Thank you, Riaz. Um, to kind of carry on where Pranil left off, I do firstly want to say I agree with him and I do think we have to ask the question, why aren't we on that level? Because we do have the potential and we do have the skill to be making these Hollywood blockbuster movies. So to come back to your question, Riaz, um, I believe in the next five years, hopefully if South African writers stay true to their country, stay true to their culture and stay true to their stories, we will be able to actually compete with the rest of the world, I think. Okay, so according to your predictions, uh, we're going to be um, on, on the map with other countries making movies and developing as a film industry in South Africa. Most definitely. <laughs> okay, from your lips to his ears. <laughs> what changes came about with COVID-19 in the filmmaking process in South Africa? Mm, good question, Riaz. Um, due to COVID's regulations, I think it changed uh, drastically the entire way set had to be handled, but at the same time, not also that much. Um, I think the biggest challenge we faced was the lack of no intimacy, the fact that there couldn't be any touch, um, you know, within the film itself. Um, we couldn't have actual any physical contact. Um, apart from that, I think set still was able to be, um, you know, undergone uh, at the same time. We really just struggled with um, allowing these scenes to take place without physical touch. But at the same time, it also creates these new situations where you have to think outside of the box in order to communicate these feelings, these emotions, um, these type of body mannerisms and behavior in a different, you know, unique way at the same time. So despite there being hindrances, um, there's also a bit of good that came out of this, you know. Pranil, uh, I see you'd like to add in something to that. Uh, yes, Riaz, I actually would like to add on to what um, Kulam said. You know, you spoke about this COVID-19 context and how it has impacted um, of us as filmmakers. And I just want to take you to this one experience Kulam and I had. We were actually working on a project together and we were co-directing. This was earlier in this year, around the middle of the year, just after lockdown had come in and we were busy on the story. And we actually had to direct the film over Zoom, you know, and that was one of the toughest challenges ever because we couldn't be on the actual set of um, the film, you know, and it, in a way, it was because of the institution that we were in and the regulations of code, we still had to come up with a film, we still had to shoot a film without actually even being there. And that was definitely one of the toughest challenges I think we faced together as a team and duo. Um, but it caused us to adapt, you know, to think out of the box, like Kulam even mentioned earlier, and to find alternative ways of actually making a movie. Um, it was a, it was a, it was an, it was as much as it was challenging experience. There was a lot to learn from it. But would I ever do it again? <laughs> no, I would not. Well, <laughs> why not? Why not, guys? I agree with you. Um, could I uh, do? Could I tackle this, Pinio? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> I think it's just because you know, uh, Riaz. Working over Zoom, you actually give the actor all the designated roles that you would have on set. So now the actor is no longer focusing just on performance. They have to now focus on cinematography. They have to now focus on production design. They have to now focus on directing, you know. 
it gives too much of obligations, I believe, towards the actor. And it can also take away from performance because the actor now has to worry about all these different things on their mind. But I think what Pranil and I really just also enjoy about set is that physically being on set, you know, um, to be able to see these emotions in front of us take place and to actually have a say in it. Um, it felt like the say via Zoom was very limited, um, very... Um, yeah, you know, it was really just all about the actor taking control. Sorry, Pranil, you may add. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I, I, no, no problem. I just want to say that being on set is a completely different experience to and being on Zoom. You know, on Zoom, it's like, okay, we're just going to hope, we're going we're gonna to give our notes, we're going to say this and just hope for the best and, you know, have faith. You know, it's almost like mm-hmm. we pray to God, okay, everything's just going to work out, you know. Um, but when you're actually on set, you have that opportunity to take everything. You know, you, you get get to take charge of the whole situation. You get to really lead the project, you know? And that's mm-hmm. exciting. More than the film itself, you get to bond with your crew members. And you get to bond with everyone. And now it, it, it doesn't just become, oh, we're making a movie and we're going to show this to the world. No, it actually becomes more than that, you know? You get to create these memories with everyone on set. And you get to experience something. And everyone just, and that actually ignites our love and passion towards the craft further, you know? Because it adds fuel to the project, but healthy fuel, if, I, if that's the right way to say it. Certainly. Sounds like you guys have lots of fun on the set. What project are you working on at present? So right now we're working on our graduation short film. Um, the genre is that of a thriller. The title mm-hmm. is called Eleven Eleven. Sure, sure. Just to add to what Gulam said, the story is basically speaks on the topics of gender-based violence. Yes. And... Gender, so basically, yeah, gender inequality speaks to toxic masculinity and woman empowerment. And just to give um, the listeners a bit about the story without giving too much away because they'd have to come and watch the film if they want to know more. But it's about this reckless real estate agent who captures a toxic masculine tech with millionaire and incites a game of Russian roulette with him in order to reveal his true nature. That's wow. all we're going to do. Okay, yeah, don't give us more, because uh, I must be honest with you, I I get very frustrated when people like doing these movie reviews where they give you the whole story and then like, what's the point of watching a movie? It's a thriller and I guess you don't want to be giving away a lot uh, more. So, Pranil, why the name 1111? Well, 1111 has a lot of significance and symbolism towards the story. When Kulam and I were writing the story, especially with the topics that we're dealing with in terms of gender equality and stuff, 1111 represented that. Two numbers, sorry, well, yeah, two numbers, 11 on one side, 11 on the other. And it stands, it's, it's got that sense of equality to it to start off with. The second thing was we wanted both of our characters to represent each number. So because both of our characters in our film are dominant and alpha characters, we have two characters, a female and a male character um, from different backgrounds, different walks of life. Um, and that 1111 represented them each, you know, and solely as well. And then the other part of 1111 as well is this, it's a connecting factor. When you watch the movie, you will see the connecting factor that 1111 has for both of these characters. Um, it also has a very emotional impact on, you could say both of the characters as well. And 1111 also has an, it's an also an auspicious time and number um, in, in numerology, numerology as well as spiritually. Um, and it also means awareness. And when you see 1111, sometimes you'll be going through the day and you'll see that name 1111. Um, you may make a wish, 
you know, for those who actually know about that, um, you may pray to God, you may think of something or you become aware of your surroundings and what you actually want in life. Okay, sounds really interesting in terms of the, um, the name that you've chosen there. Now, uh, Gulam, tell us, um, how did you and Pranil go about deciding on the story you're going to tell uh, as part of your graduation film? Talk us through the process. What exactly? How does it start? Because, I mean, we just go to walk into a movie and then we see the movie starting. We either like it. It's a good story, good acting, good direction. But obviously, there's a lot more that goes into making a film. How does it all begin? Good question, Riaz. Um, it all starts here by my house when Pranil comes over and we decide to go into the pool and have a good swim. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> okay. <And> actually, <laughs> funny enough, that's, that's literally how our writing process starts. Um, Pranil and I are actually quite two silly characters, if I'm going to be completely honest. But we actually really love to find the flow before we get into the flow, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, with regards to 11.11, I think this was definitely the most challenging, but also the most fun and informative project I think that we've ever constructed. This was the first time where we actually did so much of research to such an extent that we found a thesis um, by, this, um, by this Wits University student her name is Shanaz Matthews, and the thesis tackles uh, intimate femicide in South Africa. When we read this thesis, I think it, it actually, it, it awoken us to so much that I think we never really quite knew or actually at the same time knew, but never actually thought how severe it was in South Africa. Um, women face a battle on a daily basis, whether it be sexual violation, whether it be domestic abuse, etc., and gender inequality strives to be the most dominant factor which plays a part in this battle, you know. Um, apart from patriarchy, me and Pranil decided what could we as two male writers do to give something back to the female community, not only in South Africa, but for the rest of the world. And when we found what actually we couldn't handle that was taking place in society, we saw this, we saw the lack of justice, we saw how exactly unjust our laws and rights are towards females. 11.11 um, basically was the birth of us realizing that in society we saw a dire lack towards the justice system in terms of helping female, rape, uh, helping female victims of sexual violation. Um, so the story was actually birthed in order for us to... Uh, the story was birthed for us to actually say this is the story for the woman of South Africa and the woman of the world. Okay, interesting indeed. Now, films can either entertain or inform uh, because you have uh, films that are just there to, for pure escapism purposes and, and other films are there to inform. What would you say in which category does your film fall into? I believe, okay, <laughs> Pranil, you can definitely go after me. <laughs> um, I think it falls a bit into both, Riaz. Um, at the end of the day, we, we, we go to cinema because we want to see, see the sense of, of a world that doesn't actually quite take place in real life, you know? It's like you say, we go to cinema for that catharsis, for that escapism. Mm -hmm. um, 
the thing with 11-11, it is informative. It is about raising awareness to a very, very serious issue within the world. But at the same time, I think it is also a film, you know, Rias. Um, but definitely falls a bit more into the second uh, category. But my co-writer will inform us a bit more. Yeah, I think just to, like, Gulan's pretty much summed it up well. But I think to just to add to that, if I were to put it on that scale that you just mentioned, I would say it's somewhere in the middle because it has an informative part towards it. But with the elements of filmmaking, such as your metaphorical story, your elements of sound, cinematography, and music, I think it brings us to that sense of escapism. Because when we engage ourselves into what we're watching, and when we immerse ourselves fully into it, we're already escaping from reality. And we're already um, indulging, if that's the way you, if that's the right word to use, I would say, um, into something that is being viewed, you know? And that would be our form of escapism, you know? Interesting indeed. And uh, yeah, I thought it's just so glamorous. Making a film is just all about, uh, you know, putting it together. But obviously, lots of hard work goes into it. Now, talking about the hard work, I guess you also have to study filmmaking. Um, what exactly did you guys study before you became a screenwriter as well as a director? If you could talk us through that process. I think Kulam will add after me as well. But basically what we go through is we start to learn the basics, the, bone, the basic structure of what it takes to make a movie, a film, right? This, and we are specialized in writing and directing movies. There are obviously other departments to making movies, whether it's cinematography, editing, production design, costume makeup, and styling. But what we're specializing in is screenwriting for films and film directing. And one of the things, so we started off in writing, and that basically is the, that's the soul of the story, the soul of the film, you know. Um, that's where everything starts. Without the writer, there is no film. So... It all starts off then we learn the theory behind writing a film, what actually engages an audience, you know, mm. what are the techniques we could use to make a good film and to make a great film, you know. And I think it's also we learn to crawl before we walk, walk before we run, you know, we, we, because we, instead of jumping the gun and just, okay, I'm going to make this feature film or I'm going to make a story like this, before we could even break the rules, we had to learn the rules first and find out what they are. Um, and master those rules, and then we could make movies that actually um, stand apart. And not to say that we actually at that place, because I think we're still learning and we're still student filmmakers in that sense, you know. But it's definitely the more I went to class, the more I fell in love with filmmaking. And that's how I knew I'm doing the right thing. And I think Ulam feels a similar way. Or we, could, we could both agree with each other that that is just how it felt. And it came down to who we met as well in film school, you know. I think we, the people we met in film school, like our lecturers, such as Zunaid Mansour, um, Lungelo Kwaswayo, they, they were really people who impacted our lives and made us better, not only better filmmakers, but better human beings. And I think that, that's the important takeaway I take from my film school more than that whole experience. Um, Kulam, you could go. Yeah, I think Kulam would like to add something to this as well. Uh, thank you, Pranil. Sorry, Riaz, I'm going to add a bit of both from both sides. Um, the thing with AFTA is that they didn't necessarily specifically have these requirements, um, you know, for your subjects that you needed to take 
before or to be, you know, to have in order to come into the school itself. Um, I did a normal S7 uh, structure in high school. Okay. Um, I didn't do science. I did business and geography instead. But my passion was always through English. English was my favorite subject at school, at high school. I loved English. Um, I just loved the language. And I think that's where my love for writing actually started, you know. You'd get those moments in a paper three where kids would be like, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to write a story on the spot. And I'd actually be so, I think there was only time in an exam when I'd be so relaxed where I couldn't actually wait for the exam to start. Um, <laughs> apart from that, I didn't really do much. I did take... Um, uh, speech and drama on the sidelines um you know to like i told mentioned before Riaz, i did take part in uh, uh, rather i did uh, participate in stand-up comedy uh before entering after i'm still while in high school so not necessarily you have to have subjects in mind but i think in order to study film once you actually enter the world of film that's where you realize what you want to be um, the beauty about our school that we went to go and study at, AFTA, is that you're actually given a chance to explore these different departments, you know. You don't only have to be a writer. You can also be a production design artist. You can dabble into animation. You can go towards editing or color grading. Um, and I think through that process, you actually get to see, okay, which field am I more suited in and which field do I have this love for? And as Pranil mentioned, once we just started with screenwriting, it just became one of those things where, oh my God, this is where I need to be, you know? Certainly, sounds like you guys have a lot of fun. Talking about fun, there's got to be moments when the two of you directing a film and writing a film must be having differences. I mean, I um, can see that coming. So how do you work around those? And what are some of your memories while making this film where you guys didn't agree on something and then you said, Okay, perhaps it's maybe better for the films uh, that we either agree the way Pranil thinks or we either agree on the way Gulam thinks. How would you deal with a situation like that? Because two directors uh, directing a film as well as uh, writing the screenplay as well. How easy and how did you, how easy was it to deal with that and how did you navigate through that situation if it did arise while making this movie? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Riaz, it was actually a really wonderful process uh, to work with my, my, my dear friends. <laughs> when we used to fight, you know, we wouldn't tell the crew. We'd just go outside and we'd put on our boxing gloves and have a real go at it. But <laughs> it's a lot of compromise, Riaz. I think it's really a lot of compromise. Um, funny enough, you mentioned, so there was actually a moment, there was a few moments on set, but whenever I had a disagreement with Pranil, I would bring it up towards Pranil, whether it was something that he wanted and I didn't think it was what the film needed or vice versa. And there was actually an instance where he wanted us to do this one extra take. He wanted us to go for this other, for, for just one more take. And I had believed we had gotten the shot that we needed. You know, the performance was there. The cinematography was perfect. That was fine. And Actually, upon watching that clip afterwards, we realized, oh, no, we should have gone for another take. And I went to Pranil and I I'd actually, you know, you admit to your wrongs. You don't keep it in, you know. And I think that's the most important thing. You, you own up when you made a mistake and you, and, you, and you take responsibility for your actions, you know. You're always going to have these moments where what I think is best, what Pranil think is best. But the most important thing for us was putting our own personal opinions aside and just thinking for like the film, you know, what is actually beneficial for the film? What is going to take our film to greater heights? And 
you know, I think that was just about it. Oh, Pranil, please do add, sir. You know, I must be honest. He actually called you sir. You see, he has a lot of respect for you. <laughs> well, you know what? Thank you. Thank you, Gulam. Thank you, sir. Uh, we have a lot of respect for each other. And it was coming to my point about, I feel like we just, you know, I must be honest. I, I, we've worked with, we've both worked with other directors and writers before, but from my side personally, there's nobody else in this world, I think, that I'd rather want to work with than that man right there because apart because we know that we have the trust between each other and we are honest with each other. And I think that's the important thing when it comes to co-directing or working with each other because we're both going to make mistakes. We both have a lot to learn, but we can learn from each other and we can learn and grow together. And when we both open to that process, it really helps the project. The one thing that I enjoyed when, while working with Kulam was that I knew and he knew about me that it was about the film. It was, something, it was about something bigger than us. You know, it was never because I just felt this way or he just felt this way. Whenever we argued or we had conflict, we were always fighting for the film. How could this film be better? How could we make this better? You know, and yeah, we had we had conflicts. We'd have times that we'd argue about things, um, but we in all do well. And some we'll, we'll compromise. It comes down to compromise, and it comes down to trust. You know, because if you trust this person, you you're willing to let it go and actually like, no, okay, let's see this through, and we see through the end. And when we make a mistake, we fall together, and when we rise, we rise together. You know, and I think that's the important thing. Okay, certainly. Thank you, gentlemen, for answering that question. So I guess it's all about teamwork. At the end of the day, you do what's best for the film. And I guess that's most important in any situation where you work within a team. It's all about the end result, isn't it? Now, the, the question that I really want to be asking this evening, uh, one of two before we end off, um, do you think the skills that you've learned uh, versus the experience so skills or academic um, experience versus life experience. How do you put the two together and what's more important, having a qualification or an experience when making films? <clears throat> I think it's a little bit of both, Riaz, um, to be completely honest with you. Um, look, when me and Pranil entered our first year, we actually assisted with a third year crew and it was their experimental and afterwards their graduation film, which we later also assisted on. And what we learned in that short space of time was, I think, the most beneficial information I have ever received from AFTA in terms of how to actually handle set, you know? What's the process? What's the procedure like? How do you treat people? How do you work with actors? But at the end of the day, learning those skills comes back to what Pranil said, where you get to know the rules, you know, you get to really know what the rules are. And from there, you know how to break them. And at that point, you can come up with something that is so unique and so authorial that I don't think any other writer or whatever the case may be could do you better than you. Learning the rules and then after you've learned the rules and then breaking it can really evoke a new authorial and unique response which only you could do and can do but experience is really everything Riaz. Experience gives you so much of different insight that books will never really truly reveal at the end of the day. You know you can always go back to attain the skills but that experience on set really I think crafted me personally as the type of director I wanted to be 
and most importantly, the type of writer I wanted to be. Okay, so uh, it, it's a little bit of both, I guess. Uh, to get better at filmmaking as well, I guess you have to have life experiences as well. And, and at the same time, you also need to obviously learn uh, things by the book as well. So I guess both of that put together gives you an amazing listing. Who inspires you guys as a filmmaker? So if you were to see someone um, make a film and you're like, wow, I'd love to be that person one day. Um, for me, there's two people, two people and two people alone. <laughs> you never Number stick one, to the question, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, have to, I have to say both. Um, the only reason why I mention both um, is because I, my second love is animation, Riaz. Um, apart from uh, live action, I really, really enjoy animation. Um, number one for live action is Quentin Tarantino, okay. master of the arts. <laughs> and then number two for animation, also number one on the same level is Makoto Shinkai. Who is he? He's a Japanese animator. Okay. Story. Yeah. Any films, films that we know? His films actually are currently the top grossing films in Japan. Um, his recent film is called Weathering With You. Okay. I'm going to check that out. I'll add that to my list. And Pranil, if you were to choose someone that you inspired by? Sure. You know, to be, it's a tough one for me because it's not necessarily like like what actually inspires me like I could go and I could watch a movie and I really really enjoy it and I really love it but I never have like I I never have like just one person that inspires me all the time it's always like evolving and a lot of the time I try and take my inspiration from my feelings on the inside of me um so you inspire yourself I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. There's a little bit of self-love. <laughs> I guess so. Um, like, I, I really just try because I feel like that's how you actually break away from being like everyone else. And I, and I don't like being like, like everyone else, you know. I, I just like who I am. It, like, it actually makes me itch, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, I try and draw inspiration like, I, as much as like I observe my environment and I can watch a movie and I can absolutely love it, I just try and find something like that makes my heart sing on the inside and I try and express that outwards. So for mm-hmm. me to pick one person is really tough, you know, um, and probably wouldn't be a filmmaker. I'd probably choose my grandfather um, because he's late now, but he was someone who always inspired me and who really gave me one of the most loving and amazing childhoods, childhoods in my life. So I think I would say it's him. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I guess uh, grandparents do tell good stories and I guess uh, that's something that you can maybe pick up on one day, the good manner in which they related their lives to us, etc., which is uh, amazing. And uh, they are the best storytellers, aren't they? They are. And I think it comes back down to that point of experience that you mentioned earlier, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because they really actually do that. They really embody experience, you know. Thank you for that. Now, Coming from a community that's absolutely conservative, um, I know when I started doing stuff in the arts and the creative field, it was like a taboo, like, you know, when you go out, people is, oh, so what do you do? Oh, I do work on radio. Uh, Yeah, but besides that, what do you do? And yeah, I I do other things, I'm finance, oh, okay, so you're actually in that industry. I'm like, yes. 
So there's this thing about being in the creative field where a lot of people within our community, although I think that is changing these days, let's be honest about it, but it's always a tough one, isn't it? What's your guys' experience been like dealing with that aspect? Silence. So, <laughs> so coming from my side, I initially when I... So I knew that I wanted to make movies because that's what really made my heart sing um, and what made me feel happy. Um, this was in my matric year and then I just went out and I made a movie. I had no film knowledge or anything. I just got a few of my friends. I called them up and I, we made a movie. And that there were, and I was, I'll never forget this till this day. My friend invited me to the bride to his house. So my whole family, everyone is virus, like they're all partying. And we just shot this movie and we had all the footage. And I was by his house and I was like, he had the editing software. And I was like, they were all wild. They were all partying. I couldn't even care one but about that. I was editing the movie and I literally stayed up the whole night. Like literally the whole night. I only went to bed like eight o'clock the next morning. Just, I was just working on the film. I couldn't even care about eating or anything. And that just really showed me that, you know what? By me making this choice to be a filmmaker, I'm doing myself justice. Um, and I'm doing the right thing because I think I could never even do that in school to study. Like, that was not me. I was not that person. So this is something I was like, no, this is something I'm passionate about. And this is something that I like. And then going, telling my family this and actually doing that, they were ready. They didn't, they didn't take me seriously at first. And more than that, they didn't want me to do that. And that's something that I noticed in an Indian culture as well. You know, it's, it's something that's very common. And I... I knew that this is what I wanted to do. So I actually never listened to them. And I went about and I just applied to the university to do filmmaking and study it. And my mom's like, nah, I should be a doctor. You know, you should do this. And I, and I really never listened. And I just let, went with my gut and I followed through. And till now today, actually the opinions have shifted and changed. I think also after seeing my, like a few of my films, they've grown more faith in that, but mm -hmm. they accepted it. They've come to accept it because I think they realized that there was nothing they could do about it. Um, and perhaps Kulam would like to even add to that, but that was my experience with that. That's a, that's a beautiful experience, actually, Pranil. You know, Riaz, I actually had to lie yes. to a lot of my family members about what I was studying. I would go to my grandfather and my, my older uncles and aunties and be like, no, I'm doing graphic designing. And they're like, oh, a stable job, steady income. And I'm like, I'm still studying it. But yes, definitely. Yeah, you could say so. <laughs> so... Fortunately, though, my mom and dad are my biggest heroes and inspiration also, I think, apart from Quentin Tarantino and Makoto Shinkai. <laughs> um, it's because they were able to give me this opportunity to love my dream. Um, from a young age, I've always been creatively inclined, you know. Uh, I, if I was not painting, I was drawing. If I was not drawing, I was acting. If I was not acting, I was singing. I've always just had this passion inside of me to perform, you know, Riaz, and I think it was my first movie and the first movie I remember is Toy Story. <laughs> and when I was watching Toy Story, I just thought the entire time, wow, I don't want to leave this world. You know, I just want to remain in this fun, joyous, adventurous space. And I think that's where my love for film began, where it's like you say, from a young age, I found escapism. Uh, escapism. I found this catharsis within film to a place where I could retreat to and I would feel at the very center of that universe. I would feel as if I'm in control of the actions and events that would follow in this world. Um, so my passion for film is something that 
stood with me from a very long time. And fortunately, my parents saw it. And being liberal, they allowed me to go about with my career, be in the field of arts. However, they've also, they've also mentioned that I should never forget my religion. I should never forget where I came from and my roots, you know. I went to a very uh, religious uh, high school, Laneja Muslim school. <laughs> they are quite uh, dominant for producing accountants uh, and lawyers and doctors and so forth. And you're uh, a powerful so, maker. <laughs> yeah, I am. But you know what, Riaz? The funny thing was when I told my lecture, when I told my teachers what I, what I planned to do afterwards, they were all pretty chuffed. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it was maybe the disbelief or if it was actually... Uh, a better, you know, they, maybe they would have been, maybe they were impressed. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Let's be positive. Let's okay. Be positive. Uh, so, um, you, you, you know, you don't get away uh, by letting your secrets out here. You say you, you actually sing. How about sharing a line or two for us? We, we'd like to crit your singing. Wow. Wow. All right, Rias. <clears throat> don't, uh, don't fall head over heels for me, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Never will. <laughs> Maybe, uh, Pranil, you can uh, definitely uh, back me up if you feel so, buddy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there we go. You must go Do you know that song, Dias? Of or course. I I go to the <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's going to start sounding like a dedication program, but thank you for being <laughs> such a sport there. Um, no now, guys, you've been through a lot of experience um, in terms of um, the, what you just shared with us uh, in terms of your family, uh, what's the experience been like, here you are, your film's about to release. To people listening right now, the youth in particular, that would like to follow in your footsteps and make a film what is a piece of advice that you'd give to them as a parting shot? Quick piece of advice I can give is something that me and Pranil stumbled upon in this year. Life is about overcoming obstacles and never giving up. Thought-provoking indeed. Pranil, your side? From my side, my advice to anyone who wants to do filmmaking would be to get whether it's a pen and a page, write a story. Just write. See how you feel. If it's a camera, if you have a camera at home, go shoot something. It doesn't necessarily have to make the most sense, you know. Go shoot it. Try and compile it together. Create something, you know. And see if that really makes your heart sing. Because if it does, then you're probably heading in the right direction. Um, the filmmaking industry is a very hard industry. But... In order to understand if this is something that you really want to do, that would be my advice. Just start with anything, just something that relates to filmmaking, whether it's writing a story, whether it's taking the camera and just going to shoot something, whether it's just editing a piece of video. I mean, these days you find royalty-free video footage, you know. You can just go and edit that, you know. You can download and free edit this, even free editing softwares that you could use, you know, um, and edit that. And I think that could help someone actually see if they really want to do this because if they really want to do it, it takes a lot of dedication, hard work, late nights, early mornings, but it's all worth it in the end because the rewards are just out of this world and you get to leave this earth with your art, you know, you get to leave this earth with something that can stick for generations if it's good enough, you know, um, and if you actually put your all into it. 
Amen. Thank you so much, guys. You've got, you guys have been so inspirational. We wish you all the best uh, with your film. Uh, tell us about the, a bit more in terms of the date that it will be releasing and where people can watch this also after post the release. Okay. So coincidentally, or that's just happened by fate, the film is titled 11.11, but it's coming out on the 12th of the 12th, um, which is the Saturday, actually. Um, 20, it's 2020 if you guys are listening in 2021 <laughs> um, but yeah so on the 12th of December 2020 um, it will be coming out and it will be playing at Sturkiniko in Newtown Junction um, there will possibly be an online version of the film as well which will be linked to our university account on Vimeo um, we will be dropping a link for that on our social media if you want to keep in touch with the film and want to know more about it you can go into Instagram and follow Wonderland Productions. I'll repeat it. Wonderland is in W-O-N-D-E-R-L-A-N-D underscore productions. P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S. Um, from there, you'll get to see all about the film, um, behind the scenes stuff. We're doing a holiday giveaway, actually. We're giving a lucky winner a holiday away to Balito Bay in Durban. Uh, if you donate a minimum of 100 rand towards the film. Um, and you can also find out about the rest of the crew members um, and what we're all about. Um, we'd also like, from Kulam and I, we'd also like to take this opportunity to thank our crew and cast, um, from Monique van Pitius to um, Chris Okafo, Jean-Marc Mafulu, Tom Zibile, um, Koketso Nikotse, Neo Maseko, and Diana Sali. Um, thank you guys for everything because without them we actually wouldn't have been able to make this film um, and it's just a collaboration and it takes a village to actually make this possible so thank you to them as well okay thank you so much guys uh, thank you for chatting to me on Thinking Out Loud we wish you all the best uh, thank you Gulam and uh, Pranil it's certainly been a pleasure hosting you guys right here on Thinking Out Loud pleasure is all ours thank you Rias well, thank you so much for the opportunity and we truly appreciate it no problem. Thank you. Over the next few episodes, we feature a variety of guests that will help us find answers to questions you often think about but don't ask on Thinking Out Loud. Thank you so much for listening. Till the next episode. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.